Glory to the Lamb. Glory to the Lamb. Oh, Holy Ghost, you're welcome in this believers around the world that are crying out. Oh, Father. Glory to the Lord. Thank you, Grace Team. Glory. Glory. There is a powerful ministry of the Holy Spirit that's in the church. And it's something I never want to quench. It's something I never want to ignore. We need the ministry that God, God the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Ghost uses. And God had stirred my spirit with just the thought of Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter in verse 30, he says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say some more about that in a little bit. 
Because I'm not going to try to just preach a long, long time. I just this is a I believe it's a message for us, not a sermon. In his letter to the church there in Ephesus, and how many of you understand that although God had Paul write it to the, the church that was physically there in the, the town of Ephesus, that it's also for you and for me right now. And in that, Paul wrote this this way, and it's, it's verses 12 through 14. And we, I may not have them to him for him to put up. There's some others I'm going to put up in just a little bit. But, and this is reading from the Amplified Bible, so I know it, it's kind of wordy. So bear with me for just a minute. Because God gave a goal, an intention. This is what God wants the church to be. And I'm quoting from the Amplified verse. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints, His consecrated people, that they should do the work of ministering toward building up Christ's body, the church. That it, meaning the church, might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God that we might arrive at really mature manhood, the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection, the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, and the completeness found in Him. So then we may no longer be children tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, and every shifting form of trickery and inventing errors to mislead. Now I know that's a whole lot and it's kind of wordy, so let me just kind of unpack it a little bit for us. God's intention is that number one, we get mature. Church, God wants us to grow up. And whether it's those of us that are in this building and say, well, you know what, man, I'm, I'm, you know, are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to Wilson, and I'm talking to you, and I'm talking to Judy and Karina, and I can pick on us because we're family. And <laughs> but I'm talking to all of us. God wants us to grow up. Y'all, it's time the church grows up, steps up, and shows up. Amen. We need to stop being wimpy, whiny, you know, we need weak spine church members fussing over the color what the carpet is. Somebody yes. didn't shake my hand. Well, I just got myself all offended. Get over it. I had a pastor one time. He said, go to Lowe's, get a ladder, get over it. Yep. <laughs> Amen. We can't be pitiful and powerful at the same time. Hmm. I need to say that again. We can't be pitiful and powerful at the same time. Hear it. Hmm. Amen. I, I probably shouldn't get into this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, they're, they're talking now, and they always change wording of things and, and kind of try to shift it into new terminology so that it sounds new, but there's nothing new about it. Critical race theory has been around for a long time. Most of us just didn't know anything about it, including me. But it's just an old concept and idea. You just got to pit people against each other. And so what it's saying is that, you know, you're, you're either 
uh, an oppressed race or you're an oppressor. There is no middle ground. And, and typically what they mean by that, if you're white Christian conservative, you are an oppressor. You're evil and you're mean and, and you just do bad stuff to everybody. And if your skin color happens to be black or maybe a little bit yellow or a little bit red skin, whatever you want to call that, them brown, then you must be the oppressed. And I heard one black gentleman here not very long ago, and I thought that man, he, he did a good job. He was pretty succinct in the way he said that. He said, you know what, that offends me. That offends me greatly that just because I happen to have black skin, I'm supposed to be this ignorant, oppressed, foolish individual that has to have you, the government, come save me. Now, what in the world has that got to do with what he's talking about right here and what I'm talking about? That's not, you know, God wants us to realize who we are in Christ. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to know that we are, you know... In Jesus, we're more than conquerors. In Jesus, we are the body of Christ. And we are powerful in God and in His weapons of warfare. And we don't have to walk around being Mr. Pitiful. Amen? You can't be pitiful and powerful at the same time. And I think it's, well, we just got to grow up. Amen? His intention is that we're no longer, King James says, tossed to and fro. The Amplified even says it sort of that way. Just bounced around. We got to be, we got to know what we believe. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And we need to stop being wishy-washy. We need to stop being, you know, just... Well, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I sort of think that, you know, I'm, I know I'm saved, but, well, I don't know whether I am or not. I, well, I don't, I don't know that Jesus' blood really took care of that. Well, I, you know, no. Somewhere we're going to have to get, again, I think it's maturity, but it's a spiritual backbone, and realize that, you know, no, God has said this, I believe it. There used to be an old saying, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, actually, it's God said it, that settles it. And we're going to have to stop being tossed to and fro. Stop being offended about everything. Satan loves to push people's buttons and he'll use other people to push your buttons. Don't look at your spouse. When a certain prayer doesn't get answered a certain way that we thought it ought to get answered, people get mad at God. People get mad over certain kinds of doctrines. Whether you sprinkle or dunk or splash or whatever you do. I mean, people get upset over all kinds of things. Let me give you just a couple of doctrines that I think people sometimes get tossed over. One of them is what some people want to call the prosperity doctrine. Well, you know, God is not into the poverty doctrine. That'll hit you on the way home. It is God's will to prosper us. Now, is there a reality that, you know what, y'all, God is more interested in our eternal destiny than He is our temporary comfort. I got two amens out of that. But God's more interested in where you're going to spend eternity than whether or not you drive the really fancy car. 
And the thing is, God wants you to have a good one. It may be an awesome Chevy. It may be an awesome Ford. <laughs> or a Honda. <laughs> Instead of a Lexus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had this picture come in my head. Uh, uh, that's social media. That's the... Uh, Anybody see that thing where this man, supposedly he was retired and he had bought a Lamborghini or something like that and it's so low to the ground and here's this poor old gentleman and he can't, can't get his feet in his body and he rolls out of this fancy little sports car and he's laughing so hard he can't even stand up. God does want to prosper you. I believe that. But sometimes it's, you know, we've got to remember it's as our soul prospers. God's will is healing. I'm going to say it again. God's will is healing. You say, well, Pastor, you're struggling with something. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I don't say a whole lot of things. I have one doctor say, well, you know, you may be in a wheelchair. And I, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Now, I didn't say it out loud. I probably should have. But uh, I said it in my mind. No, that's not going to happen. But God's will is healing. It's part of the atonement. Now, are there hindrances to healing? Yes, there are. Are there times when, you know, there, there can be a greater glory that God is working in us? Absolutely. You know, I love reading through the book of Hebrews chapter 11. That, you know, you've heard of the hall of fame. Well, it's God's hall of faith. And as you read through there, man, I love that part. Everybody likes it. You know, where you're reading through there and it's, you know, they, they receive their dead, raised to life again. They stopped the mouths of lions. They stopped armies. They saw, ooh, God was moving. And in the same breath, he said, and others were sawn asunder. Yep. Uh, excuse me, Lord. What, what happened to this other part of that? But there's a glory. And I think God's already reminded us this morning. You know, sometimes they're Stephens. And y'all right now across this world on the other side of it, there are some Stephens. Yes. Yes. And they're going to see Jesus today. Yes. They're going to see Jesus. God's will is it, or, or some, one of the things that we get tossed about is you know, why? And that's, man, is that current. Man, is that current. People get so bent out of shape. Well, if there's really a loving God, if you really believe that there's this God who's in control and God takes care of people and God loves people, well, where in the world is God? Why isn't God stopping this? Why doesn't God just step down and just boom and, 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 and it's over with and it's done? Well, there's a simple answer for that. God is going to do that. The Bible says God's going to do that. But it's the grace of God right now. Because when God does that, the door of grace has shut. It's like that door on Noah's ark. You know, the Bible doesn't say Noah shut the door. If Noah would have shut the door, Noah could have messed up and opened the door. <laughs> God shut the door to the ark supernaturally. And once it was shut, it didn't matter how hard people banged on the hull of that boat. It didn't matter how much they screamed. And now we believe you. Now we believe you. The door was shut. 
And there's coming a point in time where God's going to shut the door. But right now, the door of grace is left open. You see, there's things like that that people get all tossed to and fro over. You know, that's the goal. This is where God wants us to be mature believers. And it's not just the preacher's job. It is the preacher's job, but it's not just the preacher's job to reach the lost, to witness for Jesus. You realize that's the reason why the church is growing so rapidly in the Middle East is because they're testifying. But in the midst of all this, Paul lays this out. Then he gets to verse 17, and the King James says, This I say, therefore, which when you see the word therefore, you just see what it's there for. What, he say, what that Elizabethan English means is if we were saying it our way, we'd say, now I'm going to say this because of what I just said. I'm going to preach this that. I'm going to say this because of what I just said. So I just gave you the goal. This is where I want you to be. No more tossed to and fro. No, no, no more immature, but built up and, and doing the work of the ministry. This is where I want you to be. And now because I said that, I'm going to say this. And he begins to go into several things. And he ends what he says with that verse in verse 30 where he says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God where you sealed under the day of redemption. So there are things that he's getting ready to say that will keep us from grieving the Spirit of God. There's things that he's getting ready to say that show us the things that grieve the Spirit of God. Yes. Now let me read again the Amplified Version. Just verses 17 through 19. So this I say and solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in His presence, that you must no longer live as the heathen do in their perverseness and their folly, vanity, and emptiness of their soul and the futility of their mind, their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that's deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitivity of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they become calloused and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves, a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Now, did you get all that? No, you didn't. I thought this was really good because I went to the Message Bible. And I love the way it says this. And I quote, And so I insist, and God backs me up on this. There's no going along with the crowd. <laughs> the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God, they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore. 
feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. There are things that grieve God, that grieve the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The number one thing is just going with the crowd. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, you know what? If I'm not, not everybody is. I've got two minister friends of mine. Both of them are Vietnam veterans. Well, I guess I had three. One of them's in heaven now. But two of them I'm thinking of right now, both of them really kind of at different times say the same things, just saying it in a little bit different way. That, you know, back in Vietnam, and a lot of you may not have a whole lot of comprehension, but if you ever talk to a veteran, and they probably won't tell you about the battle, but they can tell you about some of the other things, or they might tell you about some of the other things that were going on. And there were drugs that were distributed tremendously. And I won't get into who I think was behind that, because we don't want to disparage the government. And <laughs> But there... There were drugs, there was alcohol, there was all sorts of, of sexual immorality that was going on. And I remember one of them telling how that, you know, everybody in the whole platoon was getting their penicillin shot because of the stuff that they were doing. And so, you know, they came to him and said, we're going to give you your penicillin shot. And he said, no, you're not. I don't want a shot. And they said, yeah, but you got to get it because everybody is doing it and everybody's susceptible to getting the diseases that come along with it. And he said, I'm not doing that and I'm not getting the diseases. How about that? Not everybody's doing. You know, don't follow the crowd. Amen. I mean, it kind of goes back and, and most people, you know, you, you Google it when you get home. Do you Google due diligence? As Samuel Rodriguez says. There's, there's a little rodent called a lemuel. And there have been times when they will take off in just herds of them. And I mean by the hundreds of thousands. And they'll run over to these cliffs. And because the ones in front of them are moving, they just go off of this cliff into the, the ocean below. And, and they're, they're killed. And the thing that strikes me is, you know, sometimes I think we just get to following the crowd and if we're not careful, we're just going to go right off the cliff with them. That's right. Don't follow the crowd. And you say, yeah, but that, you know, they, don't, they don't have anything bad going on. They just seem like they're getting away with it. You're not with them in the night hours when they're tormented. Why do you think all of these ultra-wealthy people and movie stars with all the fame and everything else wind up over just ODing on drugs or they commit suicide, they're not happy. They're not getting away with anything. That's right. And it grieves the Spirit of God. But if we don't do that, I'm just going to throw this in right here, still waiting for the end. If we don't grieve the Holy Spirit, the Message Bible again says this in verses 24 and 20 through 24. That's no life for you, this life of following the crowd. You learned Christ. My assumption is you paid careful attention to Him. 
You've been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have an excuse of ignorance. Listen, everything, and I do mean everything. I'm quoting this, y'all. Everything, I do mean everything connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. Boy, that's a message to somebody. Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. You know what? You get rid of the old life and God changes you. When you're born again, God changes you on the inside and what is changed on the inside works and, and we work it to the outside so that then it gets changed on the outside. It never works to try to do it the other way around. That's religion. Now I'm going to try to change stuff on the outside and somehow it's going to work its way in. It doesn't work that way. That's right. Well, what else grieves the Holy Ghost? Well, according to what Paul said in Ephesians, lying. Hmm. You know, we ought to realize that if you just out and out are lying about all sorts of things, just out and out bold-faced lies, number one, you'll never remember all the lies, and it takes another lie to get out of a lie. And after a while, you get the lies so mixed up, you don't even know what's true anymore. And there's enough people that really they've repeated lies to themselves long enough they believe their own lies and you're just in a mess. That's right. But I was kind of doing a little bit of study in this and you know, pretense is also lying. Well, what is pretense? Well, according to the dictionary, it's appearing or trying to appear more important or valuable than what you are. Hmm. If you put on the front in the church building... And live a totally different way when you get outside the church building, you're living pretense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know I'm not the only one who said something like this, but you know, if you fight with your spouse, you scream at the kids, you cuss at everybody on the road, and then you get to church and then you know, I love you with the love of the Lord. You know, that's pretense, y'all. <laughs> that's what it's called, living a lie. Amen. Now don't look around. Amen. If somebody asks you, how do you like my new hairdo when it's shaped like an ice cream cone and colored like a Neapolitan ice cream cone? And, and I'm not fussing about color. God likes color. Hey, you know, it, it, it's okay. But, you know, if it's the silliest looking thing you ever saw in your life, don't lie to them and go, oh, that's beautiful. You might say, well, I liked it better the other way. But, you know, I mean, just don't lie. Amen? You know, That's right. Just tell the truth. It's a whole lot easier to remember the truth anyway. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we're full of anger, rage, hatred, revenge, Matter of fact, we literally, according to Scripture, we open the door to the devil when we get into to, to hatred and anger, anger and strife and all the rest of that that's in there. You know, I, I remember there's a story in the Old Testament about King David before he was king, so he was still David. 
But as a young man, and now Saul was after him, and Saul was trying to kill him because Saul knew he had already been anointed as king. And David still already has some men that are following him. And they're, they're pretty good fighters, but they're, they're not trying to really attack the king, Saul, and, and things like that. They're letting God work it out. And at one point, they actually sneak into this cave where Saul and his men are asleep. And David cuts off a piece of Saul's robe. And you know, then later on, they let Saul know what they did. And David could have just as easily as not just killed him right there. And in a carnal sense, you think that, well, you know, boy, I got, I got the best of him. I, I, you know, I, I got him. I showed him which way it was. But David understood a principle that he needed to let God handle it. Yes. You know, I remember it was really a lot of years back. Matter of fact, it was in the 1980s. 83, we had gone from Colorado as associate pastors to South Texas. Now, it has to be God that makes you move from beautiful Colorado where you can see the snowy mountains to the Houston area. But anyway, make a long story short or a short story long. We, <laughs> we had moved down there and there was this other minister that was there. It was in Assembly Gut Church. And I remember here I had gone to this section meeting and I didn't know anybody. I was brand new down there. Now, I was, I'd been invited by the superintendent of South Texas to come and start a church in the Woodlands, Texas, which is part of, well, north of Houston. And so I was down there and, and, and I'd gone to the meeting and didn't know anybody and all these other ministers are walking around visiting with each other, kind of acting like church people, you know, visiting with each other. And the visitor, he's wandering by himself, which was me. And, okay, yeah, that'll hit you well. And so anyway, I'm wandering around, and this one guy walks up to me, a rather short, rotund young man, and that'll hit you on the way home too. And anyway, he walked up, and he, he introduced himself, and then he said, by the way, he said, I'm fighting you starting that church. This is my territory. And he went into this whole tirade about it because he had a church that was across the highway over there and really wasn't in, in, on Woodland's property. But anyway, he was, he was upset. And, uh, of course, he'd been there for years and hadn't grown. And so, but anyway, that's another story. But anyway, I mean, you know, I could have got angry. Really, I did get a little bit hurt. And I called Judy, and I was kind of upset about it, and she laughed. And after a while, I got to laughing about it because it really was. It was just the devil just trying to bring strife and try to get me into this hate and anger and all this kind of silliness like that. And, you know, really it was just a thing. We just let God handle it. And, I mean, God really did. And I mean, actually, by the time our church had grown and that church got big, there, there was another point in time, I think it was another meeting or something, and I, I can't remember now, but... Uh, that young man, same guy, I mean, he just acted like I was his best friend in the world. I guess he'd forgotten all about that first meeting, but I, did, I, I just went ahead and forgot about it too. But the thing is, we can't, you know, we don't need to be angry, amen? That's right, amen. You know, anger doesn't help you with anything. And are there chances that I have to be angry? I have lots of opportunities to be real angry, amen? 
And the Bible says we can be angry and sin not. Jesus was angry at the devil and he even took a whip and overturned the, you know, the, the money changers' tables and drove their animals out of the temple and things like that. But he, he wasn't angry at people. We need to let our anger be directed at the devil. That's right, amen. And even when you see all the evil and the things going on in this world, don't be mad at people. They are tools and puppets of Satan. Yes. Be mad at the devil. Now, there's one more thing that I'm going to have to get into just a little bit right here, and I'm going to just have to be a pastor to you. You don't grieve the Holy Spirit with your language. Verse 29 said, watch the way. This is the Message Bible again. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. And he's not talking about a chicken. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. Boy, that phrase ought to strike something does. Each word is a gift. I'm, I'm going to do something. I don't, I don't do this very often. Who's got a Bible with them? Phone or paper? Somebody raise your hand. All right, Karina, look up Proverbs 10, 9. Jamie, look up Proverbs 11, 9. Who else had a Bible? All right, Judy, look up Proverbs 11, 11. And Thea, didn't I see you? Look up Proverbs 18, 21. No, whatever version you got it in, that's fine. Okay, whoever had Pro yours, Judy, was Proverbs 18. No, your were Proverbs 11, 11. This is 18, 20. Okay, Karina, I think you started 10, 9. 10, 9 in message. Honesty lives confident and carefree, but shifty is sure to be exposed. The King James says in the multitude of words that <laughs> there's sin. There's a lot the Bible says about your mouth. Amen. Okay, who had Proverbs 11 9? I'm going to read that one too. I don't have my glasses. They're at home. Alright. The loose tongue of the godless spreads destruction. The common sense of the godly preserves them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah. yeah, in the Proverbs 11 9. Now read Proverbs 11 11. By the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now, blessing of the upright, in other words, by what the upright are saying and doing. Now read Proverbs 18 21. We could do a whole nother hour talking about what the Bible says about what we say. There are things that grieve the Spirit of God. And God doesn't want us to grieve Him. Now, I, I know it grieves God for people to be unsaved. God, the Scripture says, is not willing that any should perish but that all should have everlasting life. But as believers, 
Oh, mercy. To grieve Him. I've given my testimony before. How I hitchhiked all across the countryside. A whole bunch of silliness that I went through. Some of the stuff I'd been doing. And I mean, I was... And up till that time, I mean, some of what I was getting myself in trouble about was... I mean, I was, I was abusing alcohol. Uh, I just, I was a mess. I mean, I, you know, were you an alcoholic? Well, it probably wasn't yet, but I was, I was on the road to making a real good one. And I mean, there was just a lot of stuff that I was in. And I, I was a sinner. And part of that testimony that I, I usually don't even go into See, I, I remember thinking, you tell me all the time, I've been married for 47 years and now all of a sudden I learned something new. I think I've told her this, but I remember having this goofy idea in my head, nobody loves me. My parents must not love me. And, and you know, then of course I, I take off and I, like I said, I just, I mean, I didn't tell anybody I was leaving. I just disappeared. And I was just gone. I mean, I didn't even prepare for it, really. I didn't have a little bit of money. I didn't, it was stupid. How many of you know sin is stupid? Amen. 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 And, but anyway, here I am. I'm just gone. I disappeared. It wasn't until really a long time later. I mean, I was born again. I was saved. I was married. You know, everything was restored. God had done things. And it wasn't until a long time later, after all this was already over with, that I found out my dad, my easygoing, sweet dad, would turn his face to the wall at night and lay there and weep because his son was gone. He was grieving. He was grieving. And that breaks my heart that I did that. But that's the best picture I can give you of what I believe God is saying to us. Church, God doesn't. God grieves when we allow ourselves to just get caught up in the garbage of the world, the following the crowd, the, the lies, the allowing our language to get bad. With, I mean, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth blurts. Yes. So, you know, it's what's in our heart in abundance. Well, you know, then that means you need to put something better in your heart in abundance. Amen? Yeah. I mean, listen to the Word. Listen to praise music. If all you're doing is listening to Willie and the boys, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> Amen? That's right. Or whoever it is. So the whole point is that what's struggling God? I don't want to grieve Him. I believe in holiness. Not legalism, but holiness. I believe that you know our lives ought to, ought to reflect what God is doing in us. I think that's Bible. And I believe that as we live for Him and through Him and allow Him to live in us, 
Man, that pleases God because then we're walking by faith in faith, faith believing, which is was, you know just a mindset of that God is, is going to come through and we're hoping and believing for certain things to happen. But it's not only that, it's a faithfulness towards God where we're living by faith. And without faith, you know, you, you can't please God. But that means that with faith you do please God. Without it, you grieve it. And I think that's the whole point this morning. God's saying to us, grow up, step up, church, don't grieve. Amen. Don't grieve. Stand with me if you would, please. I just felt in my spirit this morning that what we need to do, Judy, you don't need to play. I want you to stay down here with me. We can do it without music this morning. I want to give an altar call that we come and gather as a church body. And I'd love to have everybody in this building here this morning come forward. God's calling us as a church to a higher level of commitment. A higher level of holiness. A higher level of service. And y'all, I, I believe right now that God is grieved over the situation, especially in Afghanistan. And this isn't the end over there. This is a beginning of something that is playing out. We need to, we need to stop grieving God. We need to stop grieving the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to ask you, if you will, to just say by coming forward, I want my life to please not grieve the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to join together and we're going to pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Okay, Linda Kingry. And then there's, there's some others. I'm probably not going to remember all of them that we've been told in the last uh, day or two. I know, uh, my goodness. Yeah, grandbabies, Remy, cut her foot, Finley still needs prayer. Uh, there's others that, you know, there, there's sickness or. And I don't know if any COVID in the immediate church family, but there's sickness and there's different things that people just need prayer over. Amen. So y'all, let's, let's gather around up here. Let's just make one great big circle if we can do that. We're going to join together. And Lord, I don't want to agree with Make room and let everybody in. Sister Willie, you feel like coming?
Father, we we'll join together this morning. Lord, it's with that desire to please you and not grieve the Holy Spirit. Lord, for you to use us in ways where we've never been used before. Father, that you will cause us to be your light, yes. your salt in hurting in the county, Lord, in this region of Missouri, and Lord, inevitably, literally a part of the light of your your body in the in the world today. Yeah. And Father, as we stand before you, Lord, we repent of any area where we have grieved you. Lord, we repent of those areas, Lord, where we just allowed our flesh to get in the way, just allowed ourselves to do things we shouldn't do. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we just surrender to the Spirit of the living God. Work in us, Lord, to your praise and to your glory. And Father, as we join together right now, Lord, we know it grieves you what's taking place in Afghanistan. And Lord, it's already been prayed, but we just agree, Lord, for there to be a blindness upon the Taliban. Lord, for there to be, Father, just a, a breaking of the, the demonic strongholds, that Lord, that there will be those, Father, breakthroughs, and there will be, Lord, untold thousands who will be able to escape. Lord, whether it's escape by just somehow fading away, Lord, somehow the, 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 the Taliban loses their database of people. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for a breaking of the demonic spirits over that region. Lord, we know there are those who have already been martyred and those who will be. And Lord, again, we just believe for them to be esteemed and they won't even feel. Yes. Lord, right now. Oh, Father, we just submit ourselves to you. We make a fresh commitment to you to be used by you. Lord, that we might walk with you. In the name of Jesus. Anybody else want to just say a prayer? Please feel free to.
she just laughs at you.